Praise the Lord. How's everybody today? Amen. Well, let's go over to the book of John, <coughs> chapter 4. John, chapter 4. And uh, we'll look at some things here today, obviously concerning healing, uh, receiving healing. And... Uh, we're going to look at how healing always comes. And um, John chapter 4. And uh, verse 45. And we'll spend quite a bit of time in this chapter. We'll move around to Matthew and Mark a little bit. But uh, John 4 and verse 45, it says, When he was coming to the, into Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem at the feast, for they also went up to the feast. And so uh, they're saying, he's saying that the Galileans received Jesus because of the miracles that he performed at Passover there in John chapter 2. Uh, they didn't believe in him as Savior. They didn't believe in him uh, as who he was as their Redeemer. They received him because of the miracles he performed. Uh, Jesus made a statement one time. Uh, they said to Jesus, they said, uh, all men seek you. And Jesus said, they're just after me for the loaves and the fishes. He said, they're there. And, and that's an important point. Um. Uh, you know, I've seen people over the years that they they wanted to get involved with things and be up under the word uh, just to get their miracle. Now, I'm not saying that that's wrong in and of itself, but, um, you know, the point is, is that some people just want to get close enough to the word to get healed. Uh, they don't want to live the word. They don't want the word to uh, to be um the governing factor of their life, they they want it to govern the healing part of their life. And uh, that's going to play into some of what we see here. And uh, so they want to get close enough to get their miracle or close enough to get healed. But at the end of the day, they don't want the word to govern them. And uh, so these people did not believe in Jesus as their savior. Uh, they received him because of the miracles he performed. Verse 46 says, So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. And so Jesus came back to the region of Cana of Galilee. And the Bible says there was a nobleman there whose son was sick. All right. The word sick here is a word that means he was in a condition of weakness. Uh, it means he was in a condition of feebleness or frailness, sickness. Uh, it's interesting that the same word is used to describe Lazarus' sickness. And uh, Lazarus died. So it was a chronic ailment. It's uh, uh, the same word is used where uh, it says that Jesus came to his own hometown and it says he could do there no mighty work. 
except now um, I don't want to rock people's boat too much, but, uh, you know, very often that's ministered and it says that Jesus couldn't do anything but heal a few minor ailments there. But that's not what the word sick presents. And it says, if you read that, he could do no mighty work except. Well, when it uses the word except, it's saying this, what follows is these are the only mighty works he could do. And it was he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Well, it's the same word. It's very sick people. Those people that Jesus healed in his own hometown, uh, it wasn't just minor ailments. It wasn't just a headache or a cough. They were very sick people. And uh, this is the same issue with this boy. He's very sick and it's chronic. It's a chronic condition. It's consistent. It's the same thing when uh, Jesus, uh, they sent to Jesus and they said, Lord, the one that you love is sick. Lazarus, it, that's the same word. He's very sick. He's at the point of death. He's weak. He's frail. All right. They're, they're, he's feeble. He can't care for himself. He's very sick. So this was a serious condition. Uh, the Weast Bible says there was a certain one, a king's courtier, whose son was sick with a chronic ailment. So this is something that he dealt with consistently, all right, on a consistent basis. It probably would have involved a fever, something of that nature. And uh, verse 47 says, when he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea unto Galilee, he went unto him. And besought him that he would come down and heal his son. Notice, for at, he was at the point of death. The Reese Bible says, This one, having heard that Jesus had come from Judea into Galilee, went off at once to him and commenced begging him to come down at once to heal his son, for he was about to die. So we see here at once, this is a desperate situation. All right, my son is about to die. Uh, you know, it always helps us to remember these were real people. I mean, this really happened. This man really had a son that was about to die. And he really went to Jesus. You know, very often I try to refrain from it because it, it, it uh, weakens what we say. But someone will say, well, you know, the story of this, or this is not a story. Right. Uh, a, a, a story is something that may or may not be true. My mother, matter of fact, uh, equated storying with lying. All right. She'd say, are you storying? Which meant, you know, are you lying? And uh, uh, right. Because Hansel and Gretel is a story. Humpty Dumpty is a story. This isn't a story. This is a fact. This really occurred. And this is the type of situation that Jesus was dealing with. All right, this man's son is about to die. He's traveled a day to get to Jesus. He doesn't really know what's happening back home, but he knows when he left, his son was about to die. Now, someone must have told him, maybe a doctor, someone that knew, your son's about to die. And so it was desperate. But notice something, verse 48. Then 
said Jesus unto him, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Now, Jesus wasn't being flippant with this man. He wasn't just, he wasn't frustrated. He wasn't aggravated. The word then is very important because, because it indicates something. It indicates a pause. It indicates consideration. It indicates that Jesus took into consideration the urgency of the man's request. The man says, my son's about to die. So Jesus knew the urgency and he knew the desperate place the man was in. But yet he said, unless you see attesting miracles and miracles that excite wonder, you positively will not believe. So he knew the desperate place he was in, but he needed him to believe in something more than just his ability to perform miracles. He needed him to believe in him. All right. The, the, remember, the problem with the Galileans is they believed the miracles, but they didn't believe in Jesus. Right? The, I mean, there, there were people, even the scribes would come to him, and, and they would have to say, look, we know, you know, the things you're saying and doing, I mean, they're of God, but they wouldn't believe in him. That's what set Nicodemus apart in John chapter 3. He said, no man can do the things you do unless he was sent from God. And he believed in him. He believed in Jesus. So Jesus tells this man, look, you have to believe in something more than just my ability to do a miracle. All right? There has to be a governance of the word in your life. So he knew the desperate place the man was in, but he wanted him to believe in him, not just in his ability to perform miracles. Faith is in God, not in healing. People say, well, I have faith in healing. Well, you'll never get healed then. Because your faith is in God. Your faith is in the word. And it's not just in his ability to heal. Your faith has to be in God about everything. All right. So faith is in God. That's why we say, I say, I believe God. When someone talks about a certain thing, I say, I believe God. That, that's my response. I'm able to say that and then I don't have to get into a lot of things. Well, I believe God. So what, what you're saying about that circumstance, I believe God. My faith is in God. So Jesus is saying, your faith needs to be in me. Because that's what hinders many from receiving is this. Is that they believe God can heal based on something they heard or saw. I've had people say, well, you know. I know God can heal because I've seen this person healed and I've seen that person healed and I've seen this. But that's that's based on what they see, not based on what they believe. That's important. 
Because I can see somebody healed and yet not have faith for healing in my heart. That, see, that's, that's the difference. That's, that's the difference in I, what I have seen over the years is that people will just start building their faith. If they need a miracle, they'll get it because they're building their faith. Not just because they're building their faith for a miracle. Because what's on their mind all the time is what they need. And what they think they need is not what they need. They think they just need a miracle or a healing. They need faith. And if they get faith, and faith comes by hearing the word, if they get faith, they're going to get healed because they'll have faith. Hallelujah. So faith is in God. It's like the man I've told the story about that, that had a, a disease, cancer. And uh, a friend of mine uh, knew that he had cancer, and so he went to him and was asking him, uh, uh, you know, how can I help you, and how can I get in there and pull with you? And uh, the man said, well, you know, there's just too much in the Bible about healing for it not to be true. Well, that's exactly right. There is too much in the Bible about healing for it not to be true. But that doesn't mean there's faith there to be healed. If I've said this over and over again, if you need healing, your job is to get in the word and build your faith. That's your job. In, in reality, if it is drastic enough, or even if it's not so drastic, that, that should be the bulk of my time. I, I, I have to build my faith about the things of God. Hallelujah. Do you see that? And so this man is desperate, and Jesus says, I need you to believe me and in me, not just that I can heal. Hallelujah. So many believe based on what they saw or what they heard, not based on what they believe from the faith in their own heart. Faith is personal. All right. There has to be faith in my heart. For a thing. And in verse 49, it says, The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down, ere my child die. Now notice something. This man didn't answer the rebuke Jesus gave him. He didn't make excuses. He needed a miracle. The Weiss Bible says, he said, sir, come down at once before my little boy dies. In other words, okay, whatever you say, but I need a miracle. I, my, my, my little boy is about to die here. What stops many from receiving is a failure to correct something that God points out that's a hindrance to their healing. 
Let, let me use this as an example. The Lord said to me one time, he said, uh, the value that a person places on a thing, anything, is shown by, by, by how they treat that thing. And he made a statement to me. He said, uh, uh, now this is going to work over into healing. He said, where the local church is concerned, if there are people that treat the local church as optional, he said the power of the local church will never function in their life. And it won't. If, if I think it's optional, you know, church is optional. If I don't have anything else to do, I'll go. I'll be there. Well, the, the very, one of the very first things, if, if you want something that's precious to you, you've got to emphasize what's precious to God. And so Jesus has pointed out to this man, you got to believe me for more than just healing. And the man said, okay, whatever. Yeah, that, right, that's me. There's there's a song we used to sing in church when I was a boy growing up. Lord, it's not my brother and my sister. It's me, Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me. And and this, this is what's important. You know, I, uh, oh, Lord, help me. It's bothersome when I see people come sit up under the word, the life-changing, life-altering word, and they sleep. Go to sleep through church. Or they sit there with their Bible and they, they don't follow along. See, it, it, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not on a regular basis, the word is not crucial. Now, if they face a situation... They're going to be in every service there is. They're going to be getting hands laid on them. They're going to be coming to healing school. Right? But when everything's pretty good, it's just that's not that important. Do you see this? And so this failure to correct, here's the issue. Over the years, it's been taught this, this way. That, you know, if you don't correct this, God won't heal you. Well, the problem with that is this faulty theology. Is healing has already been released. In God's mind, the price for healing has been paid for every person. What failure to correct something does is it keeps the door closed on what's already been released. It doesn't change God. God hasn't changed. That's why the Bible says whoever will call upon the Lord will be saved. All right. Healing is not hard. It's not difficult. It's not hard to receive. All right. It's it's. It's when God puts his finger on something. That's a hindrance. I just have to correct it. I just have to correct it. You know, a lot of people aren't healed because they're not thrilled with the word. David said, I rejoiced over your word like a man that found great treasure. The word has to thrill me. It has to it has to overjoy me. Right. When, when I think about it, when I think about the word and I meditate on the word, there, there has to be this 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 uh, overjoyness that comes over me. 
You know, I've had people ask me over the years, you know, how can you and Pastor Michelle give so much and do so much in the ministry? Well, do you know what he saved us from? I mean, you are aware you were going to hell. You are aware that your life was a mess, whether you were in deep sin or not. You were lost in sin. You had no hope. Right? So if God asked me to do something seven days a week, it's not too much. You, you, you understand? So the point is, if God says, I need you to correct that, it's not the time for excuses. It's not the time for, well, this is why. Right? When, when I was a young boy growing up, that, that's what my mother would always tell me. And I don't quite remember it the way she did. Uh, so she's probably wrong, but not really. If you're watching, Mom, not really. Hallelujah. But I'd come home from school, and I, I, I went to school back in the day where if you got in trouble, they called home and told Mom. I've had them walk me home. But not necessarily because I got in trouble. I got hurt. But but the point is, is uh, my, my my teacher, my principal growing up in junior high was Mr. Van, Charles Van. And he was a he was a really nice man, stood about six, five. And uh, of course, you know, at, at at that age, I probably stood about five, eight, five, nine, weighed 125 pounds, soaking wet. And so everybody was big to me. But he was really big. And uh, I'd get in trouble. And he'd call mom, Miss Steele, Mrs. Steele, and he'd proceed to tell them what happened. Well, when I got home, she'd confront me about it. And I'd say, well, they said. That's what they said. That's, you know, well, they said I did that. Well, did you do it or not? Well, that's, to me, that was irrelevant. I'm trying to get out of trouble here. Right? I can't lie because I know lying's a sin. Oh, hallelujah. But that's what hinders many. You know, if, if, you, if there's something going on, and, and remember, it's, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be sin. If, uh, if I'm in a place where I think I'm believing, but I'm not believing, I got to be willing to recognize that. If uh, I'm not giving enough time to the word, I got to be willing to recognize that. You know, we have been we have been freed from salvation by works, but we have not been freed from working. Building your faith is work. It requires effort. You can't you can't right. You 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 can't just take a scripture and claim it and say that's mine and tomorrow you're healed. It, it, it requires effort to see results. And here's the thing. Once you get the boat moving in the right direction, keep it going. Because the hardest part you had was building your momentum to receive. That's the most difficulty you had. And, and once you get it going the right direction and you start seeing the symptoms lessening up, that's not any time to back off. That's at least keep doing what you're doing and maybe add more to it. Why? Because it's working. Oh, hallelujah. 
See? And, and so if God points that out, then there's a hint that, that, that that's a hindrance. I just, I just need to correct it. Hallelujah. Because on the other side of that is my healing. God doesn't stop the healing. I stop the healing. I shut the door. Because the healing's there. The, the reason it's so easy to be saved is in God's mind, everybody's saved. Now, everybody won't be saved because everybody won't accept how God sees them. God sees you as healed. I've got to accept what God sees. And I accept what God sees by agreeing with it, but I also accept what God sees by building my faith about it. Hallelujah. You know, Charles Capps ministered a message years ago, and it was entitled, Faith Transmits Images. Faith Transmits Images. And, uh, and uh, of course, he taught a lot about words and that, but think about this. Uh, you know, we can use the illustration of somebody always saying, I'm sick, I'm just sick, I'm sick. And they're sick of this and sick of that. They're sick of the traffic. They're sick of their job. They're sick of this and sick of that. Well, you know, that person, if you said, hey, 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 don't talk about how sick you are. Well, you know what I mean. Well, I might know that it's a colloquial term, meaning that you're just, you don't like it. Right? But I also know in the spirit realm, you're transmitting images to your body. Right? I'm sick. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of that. Or I'm wore out. I'm just wore out. Come home from work. How are you? Wore out. Just wore out. I've had people say, oh, I feel like I'm feel like I'm an old blanket's been washed and hung out to dry. I'm just wore out. Right? When I think about that, what they mean is I worked hard and I'm tired. Well, you know, there's a benefit to that. Working hard's a good thing. But think about something that's wore out. What do you do with wore out things? Throw them away. They're no good. Amen. They're no good. And, and those words, this is important, those words are transmitting images. Those words have to be corrected. Right? That can be the hindrance. And if somebody in love says, you know, you shouldn't say that. Well, you know what I mean. I mean, uh, well, well, right there, you just not right there. You're farther away from your healing than you've ever been. Because I need to just go, oh, hey, OK, whatever. Lord, I'll correct that. Amen. And if it comes out of your mouth tomorrow, you say, Lord, I repent. I shouldn't have said that. I repent. I'm not sick. I'm well. I'm healed in Jesus name. Hallelujah. You see that? This is what happened. Let's go over there to Mark 7. This is what happened to the Syrophoenician woman. 
we'll come back to the nobleman and his son. But let's look at a couple of these things where this woman is concerned. Because notice she, she came to Jesus, Mark 7, and uh, we'll pick up here in uh, verse 24. And from there he rose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon and entered into a house and would have no man know it. But he could not be hid because a certain woman whose daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, let the children first be filled. For it's not meat to take the children's bread and cast it under the dogs. It's not meat to take the children's bread and cast it under the dogs. So notice these, these three issues here. Of course, the children in Jesus, where Jesus was concerned, was the, the nation of Israel. Dogs are the Gentiles. But notice what healing is. Bread. Uh, what's Bread. A staple. Not a meal. A staple. In other words, it's part of the meal. And he said, it's not me, it's not right to take the children's bread and cast it under the dogs. Mm. Hallelujah. Notice that. And notice what she said. Yes, Lord. In other words, that's right. Matthew says she said truth, Lord. That's the truth. Now, right here, I'm concerned people miss the revelation or, or what's being said because uh, they get this mentality. Well, yeah, that's right. I may not be much and not much to me. All I need, though, is a crumb. Well, see, that's not faith because Jesus was talking about bread to the children, not a crumb. You and I are not the Syrophoenician woman. We are the sons and daughters of God. This is here to illustrate the power of persistent faith. Not to make you think all you get is a crumb. You understand? The, the loaf is ours. The whole loaf, the bread, belongs to us. How, how, how do I know that? Because I sat down to breakfast with my family this morning. And Liliana did not get a crumb. She got bread. Well, why? Well, number one, because that's, it's the right thing to do. But she's my child. Right? She, she doesn't even have to ask if she can have some bread. She has to ask because she needs help getting it, but she doesn't even have to ask. Once she reaches a certain age and can do it herself, she can walk in that house and get all the bread she wants because that's why we buy bread, to eat it, to give it to the children. 
Jesus died on the cross and took stripes on his back so the children could have the bread of healing. Hallelujah. And notice, he said, she said, Lord, the dogs eat the crumbs under the table. The, the, the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. And notice, he said unto her, for this saying. Now, if you read that saying, how did Jesus get great faith out of that saying? Because she said, well, that's true, but even the dogs get to eat the crumbs. Well, she already said she was outside the covenant. She already said, that's right, I don't deserve it. Here's the great faith. She said, uh, well, here's what I believe. Even if I can't get a loaf, the same ingredients in the loaf are in the crumb. So even if I am a dog, I still get what the children eat just in a lesser portion. And Jesus said, different translations say, I like the Amplified Bible. He said, because of this answer, reflecting your humility and faith, go knowing that your request is granted, the demon has left your daughter permanently. Because of this answer. Now, now notice, humility and faith. She didn't get upset. She didn't get riled up. Call me a dog. All your own people are mad at you. They don't even believe in you. And I believe you can do this and you call me a dog. No, she just said, that's right, that's what I am. Right? Another translation, the Phillips translation says, if you can answer like that, Jesus said to her, you can go home. The evil spirits left your daughter. If you can answer like that, answer like what? Listen, even if I just get a crumb, the healing's in the crumb. Another translation says, he said to her, if you can say that, go home. The demons left your daughter. What I want you to see is in both these instances, Jesus told the nobleman, you won't believe unless you see signs and wonders. And the nobleman said, okay, whatever you say, but my child's about to die. I need you to heal him. Same with this woman. You call me a dog? That's right. I'm a dog. Right? That's humility. See, humility is, Lord, if I need to change that, I'll change that. If you say my attitude's wrong, it's wrong. Amen. Right? Lord, if I'm wrong there, I'm wrong. Over the years, I've taught people, if you can learn to self-correct, if you're sitting in church and you hear something across the pulpit and, and, and it's something that you need to change and you just flip the dial sitting right where you're at, boom, okay, Lord, done. I don't need anybody to have to have a private conference with me and tell me I need to change. Right? I just, I just need to hear it. I just need to hear it and I'll change it. See, that's humility. 
I remember one time I had a young man staying with us, and uh, Pastor Michelle and I were paying for his Bible college, and uh, he was living with us, and uh, he was a young man had a call of God on his life, and uh, but he knew he had a call of God on his life. That's kind of like you know you see people you see a, a woman she's beautiful and she knows she's beautiful, or a guy that right uh, uh, there's a difference, uh, and so he was sitting at the table with me and and uh, I was eating breakfast one morning. And he came in to join us and and he sat down and and I knew it was going to be a, a really spiritual statement that he was about to make because of the tone that he got in his voice. He said, uh, Pastor, if you ever see anything that's in me that needs to change, just tell me. I was eating and I looked up and I said, OK, you're full of pride. And I just kept eating. Well, he looked like somebody had hit him in the Adam's apple. Well, he asked. <laughs> and, uh, you know, for a while, he changed that. He became really humble. But uh, for whatever reason, as time went on, he just couldn't maintain that humble attitude. This woman, this man, both of them just in humility. The woman in humility said, that's the truth. That's the truth. But if I'm a dog, I'm under the table of the children and I get the crumbs. So I just need a crumb. See, that's humility. She didn't argue with Jesus. Well, who do you think you are? Right? That, that's what almost costs Naaman. I can go dip in these waters that are clean. Right? That, that almost cost him. He could have went home and died a leper because of his pride. Amen. But both of these people, the nobleman and this woman, both just accepted it. The rebuke that Jesus had for that man, for the nobleman, was this. That he needed to see something before he would believe. He needed to see something before he would believe. In John chapter 4, verse 50, it says that Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken to him, and he went his way. Something happened while Jesus was speaking to this man. Faith came into his heart. And he no longer needed a sign. It says, notice, it says he believed the word. The word. If you won't believe the word, you won't believe a feeling. All right, if, if, if I won't believe the word, what I'm feeling will never change. Remember what Jesus said in the book of Luke? The rich man had went to hell, and uh, he was talking to Abraham, and he asked Abraham to have Lazarus come and dip his finger in water and, and cool his tongue. And remember, Abraham said, you lived in luxury, and Lazarus didn't, and so on and so forth. And he said, well, okay. He said, uh, but at least send somebody because I've got some brothers 
and they're not born again, basically. Uh, they don't believe. Send somebody so they don't come to this place. And what, what, what did Abraham say? They have Moses and the prophets. And he said, if they won't believe them, they won't believe if one was sent from the dead. It's important. If a person won't believe the word, they're not going to believe because they feel better. Yeah, but they'll, they'll, they'll feel better. That doesn't mean they'll believe. You can feel better and not believe you're healed. I know that by the word and I know that by experience. I've watched, I've watched people get hands laid on them and every symptom leave, every symptom leave their body. They, they felt in their body that they were healed. They felt the symptoms had gone away. But a couple weeks later, it all came back. Now, of course, that was that the enemy trying to bring it back? Yes. But what, what were they basing their healing on? That they felt better, not on the word. When something tries to come back that you have been healed from, your response is the word. Not, well, I was feeling better, but, or it was better for a couple weeks, but, or it was better for a few days, but it all came back. So this man at some point no longer needed a sign. The expanded Bible says the man believed what Jesus told him. He did not need signs and miracles and went home. See, faith is this, that you do not need any other evidence other than what the Word of God says. Jesus said in the book of John that that was the greatest faith. That's, or excuse me, the book of Matthew. He said concerning the Roman centurion, he said that the greatest faith was speak the Word only. So, while this can be redundant and elementary, if the word says by his stripes you are healed and were healed, then you were and you are. Right? I don't need a sign. I've got to work on believing the word. A person with faith in the word Always has a leg up on somebody that just feels better. Amen. And so this man believed what Jesus told him. Hallelujah. So where healing's concerned, if I believe what God told me, then with his stripes I was healed, and with his stripes I'm still healed. You can get to worrying about the manifestation to the point that you abandon faith. The, the manifestation will follow the production of faith. The healing always will come. 
as I build my faith concerning the healing. It has to, because the Word says it will. Has to. So the job of the believer is not to look for a change per se. See, that's the difference between somebody getting healed by a gift or healed by an anointing and somebody building their faith for healing. If I build my faith for healing and I receive my healing, see, the same faith that I built to receive it is the faith that will keep it. A lot of people get healed supernaturally by a miracle or a sign or a gift and then they never take the time to build their faith to keep it. That's why those gifts are primarily for the unbeliever. They're not primarily for the church. They're for the church to use. Does that make sense? And so then in John 4, 51... As he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, notice, your son lives. Well, praise God, there's the end result. But think about this. He didn't just arrive there immediately. There's something he had to believe. He had to believe that his son was well when Jesus told him. Hallelujah. See, that's why you're quick to agree with the Word. Quick to agree with the Word. We agree quickly with the Word. That's the whole premise of Pastor Michelle's series, Agree with God, is I'm, I'm just going to agree with what God said. Okay, the Word says that, I agree. Yeah, but you don't look any better. It's okay, I agree. You don't feel any better. Yeah, but I agree with God. So when Jesus said, go your way, your son lives, he said, okay, I agree. Because the Bible says the man believed. Right? And notice, it says he didn't need signs and miracles. Didn't need them anymore. The indication was he did. But he doesn't need them. Hallelujah. Watching online or even sitting here in the room. You may have a pain or an issue or a circumstance or a report from the doctor. None of those things are denied. I've watched people hurting before, and I'd say, well, how are you? Are, are, how, are you hurting? I'm not hurting. I'm fine. Jesus bore my pain. Well, he did bear your pain, but he didn't tell you to go around lying saying you weren't hurting. If you didn't have any pain, there's nothing for him to bear. Does that make sense? See, faith does not thrive in an atmosphere of denial. If, if you're hurting, you're hurting. Now, your confession is, Jesus bore my grief and Jesus bore my pain, and with his stripes I'm healed. Oh, hallelujah. 
But here's the thing. In the middle of that report, that pain, that feeling, I agree with God. Right? I agree with God. And then I want to stop talking about things. My bad back, my bad neck, my bad shoulder, my bad this, my bad that, my back's bad. I got a bad back. I can't this. I can't bend over. I can't twist. I can't. Well, I understand that. Right? And it might not be wisdom for you to do certain things. But you agree with God. Somebody says, can, can, you, can you pick that heavy thing up and help me? Well, I can't right now because I'm taking healing. But give me just a little while I can. Do, do you see that? Somebody will have their eyes prayed for, and you'll take your hands off their eyes, and they'll go, well, it's no better. Well, Amen. The blind man Jesus prayed for, Jesus prayed for him. And he took his hands off his eyes and said, what do you see? I see men as trees walking. Jesus said, we better pray again. And he prayed again. See, there are people that will tell you Jesus never prayed twice for anybody. Well, sure he did. He had to tell the devils to leave the madman of Gadara twice. He had to pray for that blind man twice. Because whose faith is it dependent on? Did Jesus... Have a, a void of faith ever. No. There was nothing wrong with Jesus' faith. But the people he was ministering to had to receive. Faith always works. The word always works. What God has to do is get us to build our faith to believe that. To agree with him. Hallelujah. So it says, hmm, verse 52. Now, verse 51, his son is alive. Then verse 52, then he inquired of them what hour he began to amend. And they said, yesterday, yesterday, at the seventh hour, one o'clock in the afternoon, the fever left him yesterday. So it took this man a day to get home. Now think about that. This, this is something I've not heard very many people preach on. Nobody, actually. The time Jesus said this, that man went all day long and all night on on the power of that word so it's at one o'clock when jesus said it and the next day the man's home and he says when did he start getting better at one o'clock once you agree with something don't ever get into disagreement with it because you'll keep going in the power of that agreement this man agreed with jesus and it says, verse 53, so the father knew that it was at the same hour in the which Jesus said to him, your son lives. That was when his son was healed. The moment Jesus said the word, the boy started getting better. 
the moment, the very moment. Yeah, it's interesting. When Jesus told the Syrophoenician woman, he said, go your way. Your daughter's well. Your daughter's, your daughter's cured. The demons left your daughter permanently. Matthew's rendering says she got home and found her daughter lying free on the bed. Hallelujah. What did she do? Agreed with Jesus. Agreed with Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, in this day, in this day, there was no pain relief. You know, this boy's got a chronic fever. You know, a child gets a fever nowadays, and we give them, you know, medicine, Tylenol, help bring that fever down, keep it under control. They didn't have that. That's why you see the desperation. There, there was no pain medication. There was no medicine on a large scale. Uh, this woman whose daughter's demon-possessed, I mean, there's no help. Th think about that. Especially in, in our nation, in Western nations, we can make suffering tolerable. Medication. Right? Pain relief. And I'm not against that. Anything that's helping people, we're for it. But here's my point. In the midst of these desperate situations, we see the way people had to respond. We don't ever want to just manage something. We want it gone. I have to respond the same way. Have to respond the same way. Amen. Because why? Healing always comes. The moment Jesus said the word, the boy began to get better. And that's why I say, when, when that thing tries to flare up or, or you're, you're dealing with it, no, 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 no. 1 Peter 2.24 is flowing through my bloodstream. The spirit life of 1 Peter 2.24 is in my body, driving out sickness and disease. Hallelujah. Right now, re renewing my youth as the eagle. Oh, glory. Amen. I remember I've told this story before, but it's so, it's so uh, indicative of what we're saying. I remember uh, I have a, a gentleman in the, in the church in the Kansas location, uh, Brother Steve Pitnick, and he just, uh, in his years in sin, he just abused his body. I mean, uh, when I say abused it, I mean abused it. It was, it was, was horrible and just broke his body down. I mean, you think of somebody that did not have a sober day of, of their teenage years, adult years, until they were 46. Not a sober day. I mean, not just, you know, alcohol, you name it, cocaine, and, and the last was methamphetamine, which was the worst. But the point is, so his, uh, I mean, his joints are shot, his, you know, his liver's shot, you know, the doctor's saying he's got heart problems, all these different things. Well, the first thing God did was set him up to get delivered of that liver problem. All right, totally. I've read the report. 
where the doctor, they diagnosed him with the worst form of hepatitis. And then I read the doctor's report that also said, now there's no sign of hepatitis in your body whatsoever. All right, now that wasn't just an instantaneous miracle. We had to walk that out. Uh, then uh, he, was, uh, he came and the doctor came in the office one day and had a heart monitor on. And the doctor, he said, the doctor says something's wrong with my heart. And so we agreed. And uh, he went back to the doctor and the doctor said, well, we saw something, but it's not there anymore. Well, then he had to deal with his joints. And he's got uh, uh, bone on bone in both knees. No cartilage. None. And here's the thing with the human body is naturally it won't regrow cartilage. It's just it's. I don't know all the medical ins and outs, but it just won't. So he's going to the, the KU Medical Center every, uh, every, ever how long. Uh, I think it was monthly or bi-monthly or quarterly or something. I forget. But to get a, uh, a, a cortisone shot in his knees. That's helping him deal with the pain. And again, we thank God for that. We're not against that. But there's a better way. And so, but notice, he just keeps coming to church. He keeps feeding on healing, right? He keeps, Jesus healed, the Bible says, the maimed. The maimed and the halt. The halt are those that are, are uh, paralytics, those that are confined. The maimed is somebody that's lost a limb, lost an arm, lost a leg. Jesus healed them. Hallelujah. I remember Brother Hagin telling the story of a young man, just a boy evangelist. And when he would pray for people, he'd spit on them. That that thinned the crowd right there. Now, I'm, we're never going to do that. OK, but the, the point is, is he said uh, the man told the story. He said, I saw a guy come to that uh, uh, to be prayed for. And he said uh, uh, he stood there and he said his left arm was just as normal as could be, he said, but his right arm was shriveled up like a little baby arm. Only came down to about his elbow on, on the normal arm. And he said, that kid spit on that man and spit on that arm. And he said, in front of the whole church, that arm just grew out. Well, that God hadn't changed. You know, I used to face some fire for uh, having people when the Lord tells me to sit down in a chair and one leg being shorter than the other. And 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 people say, well, you know, he believes legs can grow out. Well, I mean, the people that have had instant pain relief and instant healing, they don't care. I had a lady come one time and she uh, her and her husband had been a part of the ministry for a number of years. And she had uh, had she had given birth to six children. And uh, uh she was having trouble with her hips and, and her back and her chiropractor and the doctor said, you know, this part of your body's just all seized up. You know, I mean, there, there's not you're just going to have to learn to live with the pain the way it is. Well, she came to be prayed for and the Lord led me to, to have her to sit down. And sure enough, I had her put her legs out there and one of the other. I don't remember which one it was, was was uh, shorter than the other one. Well, when that leg started growing out, I saw the expression on her face. You could almost hear it popping. 
And she got up totally well and went back to the doctor and the chiropractor. And they said, You're, it's totally changed. Well, I don't know how a leg growing out an inch or so could change all that, but it did. But here's the thing. If God can grow a leg out, he can regrow cartilage. God has parts. Whatever you need, he's got it. And so he kept feeding on that healing and feeding on those scriptures and feeding on the word of God. And he's an usher in the church. He was standing at the back. I was giving the altar call one day and uh, he had shut the doors and and was standing back there so nobody would go in and out. And uh, I could I, I don't know that I saw anything on his face, but he was just, uh, you know, kind of moving around and and and, you know, like something was happening. And uh, boy, the Holy Spirit started moving and uh, people started running. And next thing I know, here comes Steve running, running and whooping. I mean, not just shouting, whooping, you know, and uh, ran up on the platform and danced around, jumped off the platform. And and uh, uh, I, I thought, well, something's going on here. So I had him testify. And he said, I was standing back there and my knees were just hurting. And he said, all of a sudden, I felt something like rubber bands popping in my knees. And he said, all the pain went away. And he just started running. Well, I mean, that's great. The pain's gone. How many knows if you're hurting, it's good for it to go. But then he went back for his regular shot. And uh, he was in there and he put his leg up on the foot up on this, the stool and was waiting for the nurse. And she was going to come give him that shot. And she came in with the, uh, the x-rays. And she said, uh, wait a minute, before we do this, you've got to look at this. And so uh, she popped it up there in the in the in the light. And she said, I want to show you something. She said, see your joint? He said, yeah. She said, you see all that white in there? And he said, yeah. She said, that's cartilage. You don't need your shot. Because we don't know how it happened, but your body's regrown cartilage in that joint. Well, I just talked to him the other day and he's still healed. Now, here's my question. Think about this. I didn't pray for him that day. I didn't lay hands on him. He was just steadily ingesting the word. Right? And the word, which is the source of all life, right? Because your body, your body will produce what you allow the word to put pressure on it to produce. Because what I need is there. If, if, if my body stops producing cartilage, it can start producing cartilage. Amen? If, if my body stops producing something, it can start producing. How do I know that? Because even in the natural, if something stops, it can be restarted. I, I just, I have to agree with what God said about that. Hallelujah. So, I'll, I'll, I'll close with this. So, for me personally, where certain things are concerned, you know, I, I heard people all the time growing up, uh, you'd, you'd ask them a question, they go, eh, what'd you say? 
And then they make this kind of statement. Well, you know, the first thing that goes, you're hearing. Well, I found the scripture that said the hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord's made them both. And I wrote in my Bible and mine are good. Hallelujah. And I say that all the time. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, God's made them both and mine are good. Well, see, I'm agreeing with God. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm believing God. I'm believing God with you. I'm believing God with those of you watching online. A, uh, a if we should say reproductive miracle or a uh, uh, recreative miracle, you know, that is something to, uh, to people. But it doesn't surprise God. Hallelujah. So, Father, today, today, we thank you. Lord, I thank you for the healing power of the word of God flowing in the bodies of your people. Lord, I specifically speak to those areas of the body that need to produce. Lord, that has been big in my spirit. Lord, to produce cartilage. To produce, Lord, in, in those joints. Father, whether it be the hips, the knees, the elbows, the shoulders. Lord, that lubrication to start in those joints. Lord, that lubrication to start in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Father, you liken the anointing, the healing anointing to oil. And I thank you that that healing oil lubricates those joints in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Father, I thank you for that. I thank you for that in the name of Jesus. I thank you for sitting with no pain and standing with no pain and walking and moving with no pain. I thank you, Father, that there are going to be those with those situations that are going to wake up in the next few days and they're going to say, I feel like a brand new man or a brand new woman. Things are moving so, oh, I see that, Father. Things are moving so easily. Things are moving so fluid. Oh, thank you, Father. Lord, I thank you. That, that begins right now. That begins right now. Yeah, Lord. Yeah, Lord. It'll, it'll be like the injection of the shot, only it'll be in the spirit. Ha, <laughs> ha. And, and it, yeah, and the healing is administered, and it won't be temporary. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord, I just praise you. I praise you. And, Father, anybody, anybody that's dealing with cancer, diseases of the blood, Father, I curse it. I curse it in the name of Jesus. I declare that our blood is free from all pathogens and all antigens and all diseases and viruses. Father, you said in your word that we could stand without fear in the presence of God in the day of judgment because of how much you love us. So, Father, we're not going to be afraid in the middle of a pandemic. We're not going to be afraid, afraid in the middle of what the world is afraid of because we, there is no fear in love. And so we're not afraid. Oh, hallelujah. Because we're healed. We're whole. We're well in the name of Jesus. Oh, we're healed and whole and well in the name of Jesus. Oh, Father, I thank you that left knee is healed in the name of Jesus. 
Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I, I, yes, I see that. Thank you, Lord. Oh, praise God. Thank you, Father. Lord, I speak to every joint, arthritic joints, to be, to be loosened, to, to, to be uh, limber in the name of, yeah, okay. And, and what the Lord tells you to quit eating, if you're dealing with arthritis, you need to go to God and ask Him what you're eating that's causing it. Oh, because that inflammation will build up in your joints. Ah, go to the Lord and ask Him. Oh, He'll tell you. But Lord, I speak, I speak an end to that pain. I speak an end to that discomfort. Lord, thank you. Oh, hallelujah. Father, I praise you. I praise you. I, pray, I praise you that our hearts are strong. I praise you that our hearts beat with the rhythm of life. I praise you, Father, that there are no erratic heart rhythms. I praise you. Oh, thank you, Lord. I praise you that every, every sector of the heart works to the completion and the perfection that God designed it to function. In the name of Jesus. Heart, be strong. Heart, be strong. Be strong in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. Back, be strengthened. Every disc is supplied with the proper cushioning. Oh, hallelujah. Every pinched nerve, pinched disc, unpinch in Jesus' name. Unhinge and quit causing discomfort. Oh, thank you, Lord. Father, we praise you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise God. Lord, God bless you. Thank you for being with us today. And uh, we will see you, of course, next Tuesday or Wednesday night if you can be here tomorrow. But till then, keep the switch of faith turned on and build your faith. God bless you.